but this is about the priest and uh, the garments of the priest. And all, I didn't have any idea how much symbolism was in this until I got to reading about it and studying it. And uh, the woman that was a Jewish woman to talk to, I told her we were studying on this tonight, but I don't guess she decided to come. But Exodus chapter 28, <clears throat> I'm just going to read down through verse 5, and we'll go back and, and talk about this. Take thou unto thee Aaron thy brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. Thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother for glory and for beauty. And thou shalt speak of all that are wise speaking to all that are wise hearted whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. These are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate, and an ephod, and a robe, and a broidered coat, a mitre, and a girdle, and they shall make holy garments for Aaron, thy brother, and his sons, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And they shall take gold and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen. Let's talk for a few minutes about God's calling on these men's life. That's an important thing when God calls anyone to serve Him. We find in this <clears throat> that God wanted His name to be dignified and to be reverenced, but also His priests whom He is calling, that He wanted them to stand apart from the other people. And thus He, he directed what kind of clothing they were to wear. And all of these things have a, a lot of uh, symbolism to it. And I'm finding myself going to the book of Hebrews quite often and reading the New Testament version of these. And uh, as the writer of Hebrews, he talks a whole lot about the tabernacle and about the priest and all of those. And he ties it in with Jesus. And We'll see the call of the priest here in this passage of Scripture tonight. The writer in, in this book that I'm using, he, he talks about respect and dignity and honor that are virtues that are mainly missing today in our culture. And we find that to be true. Uh, people don't respect government leaders anymore. They don't respect church leaders. There's just very little respect, period. Uh, we've gotten into a world of we want it our way. And we're, in, ex, in essence, rebelling against God when we're doing that. But God wanted His priests to be respected. And He called and 
he set apart Aaron and his sons to serve him in a special way. God selected these men. He selected them from all the masses of humanity. There were millions of these Jewish people. But God chose Aaron and his sons. Now Aaron is the brother of Moses and his sons. These are to be the priests. It was God who did this. It wasn't Moses. God told Moses what to do. God takes the initiative in calling people to serve him today. And I believe that God expects every one of his children to be of service in his kingdom in some way. Some do things differently than others. There's all kinds of different callings that we can think about, but mainly when we talk about God calling someone to minister, we usually think of them calling them to preach. Well, that's part of it. But there's so much more that God calls people to do. A calling on your life is just when you recognize what God wants you to be and do for His glory. And that's, that's something that I, I think I shared it a Sunday night or two ago about God's call on our life, that we know it when God calls to us. He makes Himself known. But here, He tells Moses to go and get these men. But it wasn't a call that came from Moses, or it didn't come from Aaron. The idea was God's and God's alone, but he worked through Moses. When God calls a person, it's God who makes the choice. It's God who equips his choice. It's God who empowers his choice. And it's God who sends forth his choice. Now, I know I've said a mouthful there, but it's so true. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips those who He calls. And sometimes we get that backwards. Uh, we, we think, well, you know, somebody's gone to seminary and they've learned all the ins and outs of the Bible and those kind of things. They must be called of God to be a pastor. Well, maybe, maybe not. Depends on whether God wants them to be a pastor or not. But the purpose of the call was to set the priests apart from all the other people uh, so they could serve God like God wanted them to serve. The scripture says that their work included five activities in these different passages of scripture and I'll share it with you as, as we go. But they were to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. In Hebrews seven twenty-seven, again talking about the priest, Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's, 
For this he did once when he offered up himself. Now that's talking about Jesus. Jesus offered up himself and he did it once. They were also to show compassion for the ignorant for the ignorant and for people who go astray. Hebrews 5, 2 says, and speaking of the priest, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. That latter part there is speaking about Jesus. He, he knows the pain and the hurt and the sorrow that we have because he experienced it. He went through it. They were also to teach the people in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verses 2 and 9. It says, And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And Nehemiah, which is the Tershathan, Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Now, in Nehemiah and Ezra's day, the people hadn't heard the law. Some of them never heard it in their whole life because they were in captivity over in Babylon. Some of the older ones had, or some of the maybe that were younger when they came there and had grown old there, they had heard the law. But for the most part, they had not heard it. But when Ezra the priest and Nehemiah, when they read the law, the Word of God, it's referring to the first five books of the Bible. Uh, I guess in the Jewish language they would call that the Torah. But the people wept when they heard the words of the law. I got to thinking about that. I wonder how many people weep in our nation today when they hear the Bible read. It'd be very few, wouldn't it? But who knows, God may allow us to get to that place where we can't read it. I, I know uh, I know we spoke about Ukraine already tonight, but in the early years when I was going to Ukraine, we would always take all the New Testaments we could take with us and get it in our luggage, you know. And people would stand in line for hours to get a copy of the New Testament in their language. Many of them would kiss that copy of the Word of God. Most of them would clutch it to their breast. And you could tell they were so excited to get a copy of the Word of God. There was very few people in that whole country that had a copy of the whole Bible. There were a few of the elder people that had been children when communism took over. And they had maybe hidden Bibles around and later on brought them back out. But I, I remember going into a church there church building 
And there were maybe two or three people that would come in with a Bible in their hand. It wasn't like this. It was more of a hardback book and about so thick. And it served as their hymn book. And it had a few scriptures in it. Many of them were tattered. They'd been used for years and years. But they cherished them. And the Word of God is quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. But the Word of God is also very precious to God's people. And it's, it's something that God has given us that we can teach ourselves and teach other people about the Lord. And this was the priest's job, was to teach the Scriptures to the people. But they were also to be representatives of God and mediators between God and man. In Leviticus chapter 6, it says, He shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord, a ram without blemish out of the flock, with thy estimation, for a trespass offering unto the priest. They were bringing that trespass offering to the priest. And the priest shall make an atonement for him before the Lord. And it shall be forgiven him for anything of all that he has done in trespassing therein. For on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you to cleanse you that you may be clean from all your sins. Before Who do we go to today? Jesus is our high priest, isn't he? And he's the one that atones for our sins. And I'm grateful. But the priests were to pray and make strong intercession for the people. In verse 12 of this chapter that we're in tonight, it says, Aaron shall bear their names. And then parentheses has of God's people. Aaron shall bear the names of God's people before the Lord upon his two shoulders for memorial. We get into their garments, and, and that's one of the things you're going to find out, that uh, each piece of that garment had something that represented God but to make intercession for people. Jesus is our intercessor. We can intercede for other people. It's just like you interceded for my brother, a man that you didn't know, you've never seen, but yet because there was a need, you were willing to take that to the Lord in prayer and you were interceding. It says, they truly were many priests who made intercession because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, speaking of Jesus, and this is coming out of Hebrews, this man, because he continueth ever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Isn't that wonderful? that Jesus is our intercessor. The writer of this book, he, he makes a statement here, and let me just read it to you. He says, The greatest privilege in all the world is to be called by God to serve God. And he says, Note what the Scriptures has to say about God's call. Whereunto he called you by our gospel in obtaining 
of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul said to the Thessalonians. Whereunto he calls you by our gospel, through the preaching of the gospel, God called people, called them to salvation, called them to service. He called you unto our gospel in the obtaining of glory, of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. He talks about the, the calling of God is a calling not based on man's ministry, but upon God's purpose. And he quotes 2 Timothy 1.9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. That's talking about Jesus. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. I've heard people say, you know, talking about people, well, they'd make a good preacher. Not if they're not God called. <laughs> On the other hand, I've heard them say, why would God call somebody like that? <laughs> That's what it said about me, I guess. But it's amazing how God selects who he wants to call. I, I don't know how he goes about it, but it's a heavenly calling. Hebrews 3, 1 says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. We should always consider Jesus, anything that we do for him. The call of God is to call to the kingdom and glory of God, his eternal glory. And he says in 1 Thessalonians, or 1 Peter, I'm sorry, um, but the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. There's that calling upon our life for his glory. And that calling involves a glorious hope. Ephesians 1.18 says, The eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. God's call is a call for a person to work, work, walk worthy with God. 1 Thessalonians 2.12, that you would walk worthy of God who has called you unto his kingdom and glory. personal responsibility. Ephesians 4, 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Our life is to be lived in such a manner that it brings glory and honor to our Lord. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. A steward is someone who has been entrusted to do the work perhaps even to do the accounting and those kind of things or the keeping of money and, and things like that. 
and they're required to be faithful. Symbol of the special claw is his claw. We're not going to get into that tonight, but I want you to keep that in mind. God designs the priest's clothing. And he tells Moses how to have it made. And every piece of that clothing, just like every piece of the tabernacle and the courtyard and all that, it points toward Jesus Christ. And this will too, when we get into it. Um, the purpose of his closing was to stir dignity and honor for God's call and for the priestly office. I did a, a wedding, or had a part in a wedding, that was done in a, a Catholic church. Uh, the priest did most of it. He, he allowed me to pray at the end of it, but but there was so much symbolism in that I didn't understand. But, but they got links to, uh, to point out, and I, I think probably, especially in uh, the marriage ceremony, they bring out far more than we do as, as followers of Jesus. But uh, I was impressed by the diligence that they play marriage and the, the uh, instruction that was given. I, I just stood there and, and listened and was in awe as, as he went through all of that. But he made everyone stand the whole service. It lasted about 45 minutes. My father-in-law was there, and he was having problems, so he had to sit down. <laughs> Priest kind of give him a bad, bad eye, but <laughs> he, he said, "But we do things differently in different denominations, different uh, churches, and those kind of things. But it's all to be done for the glory of God." And if God gets the glory out of it, it's good. Do you have a question or comment that you'd like to make on any of these first five verses we've read? Well, Lord willing, we'll pick up in verse 6 there uh, next week. And as we close out this part of the service, I, I'd like for us to get together in our uh, small prayer groups once again. And you've got the prayer sheet there. If you don't have people to pray for in your mind, then you've got plenty of them on paper that you can pick some of them and pray for them as, as you see uh, fit to do so. But uh, let's bow our heads in a, a moment of prayer. Father, I, I just want to thank you for the privilege to come tonight and to share out of your word with the folks here tonight. And I pray that each of us have come to realize that your call upon our life, for whatever service it might be, that, Lord, that you do that, that it might bring glory to you. 
And Father, we're not worthy of any glory. We're not worthy of salvation. But we're so grateful that not only have you saved us, but you have called us with a holy calling. And I pray that you'll help each of us to come to realize what you have designed us for, what the plans are that you have in our lives. And that, Father, that we would plans to bring glory and all praise to you. We ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, just get whatever.